Hi, I'm Angela, originally from Dover, Delaware, and now in St. Louis, Missouri. I'm a student pharmacist attending St. Louis College of Pharmacy. You're listening to Pharmacy Forward, a podcast about transforming knowledge into action. Greetings and welcome to the Pharmacy Forward podcast. My name is Stuart Haynes and I'm from the University of Mississippi School of Pharmacy. This is part three of a three-part series on professional identity formation. Joining me today for this episode is a very special co-host, Dr. Tim Bloom, who is the Associate Dean for Academic Affairs at Shenandoah University's Bernard J. Dunn School of Pharmacy, which has campuses located in Bucolic, Winchester, Virginia, and vibrant Fairfax, Virginia. So thanks, Tim, for joining me. Thanks for inviting me to co-host the podcast, Stuart. I've enjoyed listening to the two previous episodes, and I do appreciate you inviting me to be here for the third one. I'm glad that you recognize the importance of this topic and you've decided to devote three episodes to professional identity formation. It's a topic that I'm surprised to find that I've been thinking about for a while. I was updating my CV recently and I was reminded of a letter I had written to the editor of AJPE several years ago that had been prompted when I heard one student compliment another on how professional her shoes sounded. I didn't know anything at that time about professional identity, and I certainly didn't have the language that we use nowadays, but I recognized that the trappings of professionalism from an external point of view were not going to be enough to get our students through the stresses that they would have as they went through pharmacy school and into the profession. In the letter, I suggested that we think about the value of an apprentice-type relationship with our students because that model gave an opportunity for the ability to make the tacit expectations of a community much more implicit. And so although I know that being an apprentice is not practical at the scale that we need for pharmacy education today, I think that the intentionality of preparing a professional identity for future colleagues resembles that historical approach to education. So a few months ago, Dr. Kristen Yonke from the University of Minnesota contacted me about doing a series of episodes on Pharmacy Forward about professional identity formation, and I and I jumped at the chance. Uh, this is such an important topic, but one that I think many students and residents and pharmacy educators don't fully understand. Uh, many of the concepts that we've already talked about in this series are included in the report by the AACP, the American Association of Colleges of Pharmacy Student Affairs Committee, uh, and we've provided a link to that report on our podcast website. In episode one of the series, we explain what personal and professional identity are and how we all have multiple identities that define who we are and how we see ourselves. And in the second episode, we explored professional identity journey. So how is it that we go about forming our professional identity? Students come into our programs thinking of themselves as students and hopefully leave our programs thinking of themselves as professionals and as pharmacists. But often they need a bit more time and experience following graduation to fully develop that sense of identity as a pharmacist. In this episode, we're going to explore what educators can do to help learners begin to understand what a professional identity is and strategies to cultivate its formation. And I think we agree that when someone graduates from a doctor of pharmacy program, 
they should not only know how to be a pharmacist, but they should begin to feel like a pharmacist. And that is to say that being a pharmacist is an essential part of who they are as a person. I do agree with that, Stuart. And after listening to the previous two episodes, I was reflecting back on my own experience as a student when my own professional identity was being formed. Nowadays, we talk about the idea of thinking and acting and feeling like a member of a professional community. As a PhD student, I learned to think like a pharmacologist and I learned to act like a pharmacologist, but no one ever talked about it and I never developed the feeling that I was anything other than a student. And so I think now that that's part of why when I graduated, it was anticlimactic. I didn't feel like I was progressing into the next stage of uh, my development as a pharmacologist. I wondered about what I was going to do now that what I felt I was wasn't anymore. I was no longer a student at that point. And so I think that it took me several years working on the faculty at a pharmacy school in order to feel that I was an education professional. And that became part of who I am. It became my professional identity. Well, Tim, to help us talk about what educators can do to facilitate professional identity formation in students and residents and fellows, we've got a couple of fantastic guests here today who have also served on that AACP Student Affairs Committee, Dr. Heather Petrelli and Dr. Teresa O'Sullivan. Both Heather and Terry are deeply committed to student success and have years of experience as educators and as mentors to students and faculty alike. Dr. Petrelli is Associate Dean for Student Affairs at the Tanasia College of Pharmacy at the University of South Florida in Tampa. And Dr. O'Sullivan is the Director of Experiential Education Metrics and Scholarship at the University of Washington in Seattle. Heather, Terry, it's great to have you both on the Pharmacy Forward podcast. Welcome. Thank you so much for the invitation, Stuart. It's an honor to be here, and I really look forward to this great discussion. I'm delighted to be part of this important conversation you've been facilitating about professional identity formation, Stuart. Academic pharmacy has talked for years about professionalism and the best ways to teach it and develop it in our students. And there have been lots of articles on professionalism that have been published in the literature, and it's relatively easy to find a list of traits that describe what professionalism is. So how do you introduce the idea of professional identity as opposed to professionalism to your students so that they can appreciate the differences and the benefits of that identity? You know, that's an interesting question, Tim. I think this is really a philosophical discussion, right? I mean, does identity drive professional behavior or does professional behavior drive identity? At the end of the day, it's really about internalization. So when we introduce the concept of professionalism to students and we give them an opportunity to practice those behaviors, what we hope is going to happen is that they will slowly internalize those behaviors and it will become who they are. However, there is a distinction between the two, and until it's internalized, they haven't made it part of their identity. For example, you know, we have some milestone events like the white coat ceremony. Hopefully the ceremony begins to get them to think about the professional qualities that we're expecting of them. And then as we introduce more activities, they may begin to more and more internalize those things into their professional identity. So we have things like, we have students participate in professional student organizations and events like legislative days. I mean, we all 
we all sort of use these activities to help with professional identity formation. So there's lots of different opportunities for students to get involved in college-wide committees or maybe even participation in interprofessional education activities. So it's really about having the student identify professional behaviors, and then hopefully throughout the curriculum, they will be internalizing those behaviors into what we hope will become a professional identity. My experience has been more with the latter stages of the curriculum, particularly APPEs. I have um, this discussion with my APPE students. I do remember a couple of students several years ago who were doing an academic APPE with a colleague on my EE team. We were talking about memorable experiences on their APPEs. And one said, it happened to me on my fifth APPE. He said, I remember I made the switch. I felt like I was a pharmacist. And my ears immediately perked up. I asked what had contributed to that feeling. And he thought it was being given full responsibility for patient care at the site. I think if we could figure out what kinds of experiences trigger that feeling in pharmacy students, we should be able to more intentionally introduce such experiences into the curriculum. So I'm hearing you say that there are a number of things that can be used to help develop professional identity in students. But what is it that you do to help your faculty guide the students as they go through that process. I think we'd agree that the faculty and the preceptors in particular are going to be critical to this process because they're already members of that community and already have incorporated some of those aspects into their own professional identity. What things have you done at your school to help prepare your faculty and preceptors for this concept? Well, two years ago, we implemented the most major curricular change I've seen in over 30 years as a pharmacy educator. We talked during the curricular innovation process about professional identity formation and where we could address it. I know our pharmacist provider series faculty teams are having conversations with students about professional identity, particularly during practice experience component of this course series. I also know that our foundational skills instructors are introducing students to the concept of professional identity and distinguishing it from professionalism early in the first year of the program. So the changes to our curriculum have incorporated intentional discussions with students about professional identity formation. What I don't know is what these faculty members are finding through these conversations, because we don't have a formal mechanism for discovering, disseminating, and discussing what we find, and maybe making changes in response. We need to close that loop. You know, it's interesting with faculty, while we haven't specifically focused on professional identity formation, we do have regular professional development opportunities, as most colleges do, right? So it raises the question on how will we go back to our institutions to create specific plans for not only the development of professional identity formation in our own faculty, but training them how to support professional identity formation in our students, right? How do we teach students to reflect and what a good reflection is? How do we ask the right questions? How do we hold students accountable? It really has me thinking about how I'm going to be more intentional in my own institution about introducing this concept to our faculty. When talking to P4 students and even some incoming PGY1 residents, what strikes me is that they don't always feel like a professional or a pharmacist. Many of them don't feel the weight of responsibilities that come from being a pharmacist. And frankly, some never develop that sense of responsibility. Being a pharmacist for some is just a job. It's not who they really are. But the pharmacists that I know who are really have a deep sense of who they are and what they stand for, 
as a pharmacist are also the pharmacists who have internalized it. And, and that requires some self-awareness, reflection, and introspection. But whenever I try to prompt students to engage in reflection and introspection, most of them groan and, and moan about that they have to go through this, the motions of doing a, quote, reflection. Uh, they view it as an academic exercise that has very little relevance to the real world. So I'm wondering what I could do to prompt deeper thinking. Being in an experiential education, my first thought moves to practice experiences, particularly those that are school-based. If preceptors could have an explicit conversation with their students about where they are in the journey to feeling like a pharmacist, that might make it less of an academic exercise. As I mentioned before, I've begun adding that conversation as part of my professional development topic discussion with my APPE students. Identifying what elements of the students' past experiences help them feel like a pharmacist is a good segue to the conversation. I also have added this question to the exit conversation I have with students on the last day of the APPE. Pondering the experiences during our APPE that they found most challenging and those they appreciated me pushing them to do seems to generate the most thoughtful comments. I wonder if students who view reflection negatively could have been asked to over-reflect in classroom learning. There they are expected to sort of incorporate keywords from the lesson in their reflection, and that's mainly the output that they're looking for. Perhaps reflections should be limited to authentic experiences in the practice environment. Sparing use of these kinds of reflections may help to reinvigorate the use of this educational strategy for students. I'm really glad that you said that because when if reflections are given as an assignment, it's really challenging, I think, for students to authentically reflect, right? And I find that it might be better for us to support students in their reflection by asking the right questions. Most frequently, our interactions are with students that are struggling, who have laps of judgment, right? Um, I can give you an example. I recently had an underperforming student, but had was brilliant, 95th percentile PCATs. But at the end of the day, they really never had to apply themselves and they got away with not coming to class and even had an academic integrity infraction because they didn't feel like doing the busy work, quote unquote, because they already knew the material. So they just copied it, right? So in my interactions with this student, I started to explore the why, right? Why they wanted to be a pharmacist. And Interestingly, the motivation was revealed that student wanted to become a pharmacist to model after their preceptor on rotation, right? And I had an opportunity to highlight the discrepancy between that student's behavior and the type of pharmacist and the behaviors of the pharmacist that they aspired to be. And, you know, sort of identifying their future goal was the ticket to major behavior change for this student. It's classic motivational interviewing, right? I mean, he was assigned a faculty coach and was required to read numerous research articles and write reflections, but it wasn't until identifying the discrepancy between personal values and behavior that we were really able to lead that students to reflection, deep reflection. So motivational interviewing develops cognitive dissonance. So you say that you value these things, but but you 
behave in these ways. So when people are able to see their behavior differs from their values, it really does cause a deeper sense of, of thinking or a conviction, if you will. So uh, Terry, Heather, um, I want you to pretend you are in charge of the curriculum and you have the power to do whatever you want in terms of redesigning the curriculums at your school. And okay, I, I know this is a bit of a fantasy, but indulge me for a moment. So I'm wondering how you'd design the curriculum to ensure that most, if not all students, had made that transition from thinking and from thinking like a pharmacist to feeling like a pharmacist. And what are some of the things that perhaps you would include and design in your curriculum to ensure that that happened more often? Well, early on, there should be conversations about what an identity is, what a health professional's identity is, and how a pharmacist has a unique identity from other healthcare professionals. And these should be conversations, not lectures. Also early on should be intentional exposure to the practice environment. This is challenging for students because they feel they have few practice skills early on in the curriculum, but designed right, it gives students authentic practice experience. It's also challenging for programs because most practice sites don't want to host early learners. But this is how a perfect curriculum would work. Also challenging is the conflict between coursework and building professional identity. Coursework is designed to help a student stretch and grow, and it's inherently uncomfortable for a student. We contrast that with professional identity formation, which is building confidence in one's competence. I'm not sure how to get around this conflict, except maybe more early practice experiences to let students feel uncomfortable, and then the later practice experiences can help them build confidence. Certainly having preceptor development on helping students develop confidence in their skills could be beneficial. You know, one of the things that really challenges me about this topic as somebody who uh, has been a, a dean of assessment is the challenge with how we assess professional identity formation and whether or not it's truly occurred. So often we have alumni come back and they share their aha moments on how they applied what they learned in school to the profession. And it's clear that they've had a transformational experience and they've truly internalized their professional identity as a pharmacist. You know, hearing from graduates that have these aha moments is really special, but how do we measure in real time to know whether redesign of the curriculum really worked? You know, is it possible to have those revelations before they graduate? Is it even possible to build a curriculum such that those revelations prior to graduation occur? You know, there's so much competition for their time as a student in a rigorous program with focus on getting through the program. It's really a challenge whether or not we can assess professional identity formation, right? We can implement a lot of strategies and programs, but how do we know if it worked? Because we can't measure it. I've learned a lot from this conversation, and I think there are some main themes that have come through from what we've talked about so far today. So, for example, I think it's clear that students' professional identity formation should be designed intentionally into our curriculum so that it's in, it's planned out and so that we have a goal that we're trying to help our students move toward. And it's not quite so haphazard as maybe some of us may have experienced in our own education. Uh, 
and that perhaps we should begin the process early in order to introduce aspects of the profession to students to help them see what members of the profession do and don't do. I think that we need to remember that faculty and preceptors will have to be developed in order to make sure that they understand how to support the professional identity formation process. And so they need to be able to recognize the kinds of authentic experiences that they can provide students that allow for the formation of that professional identity. I think it's going to be important for us to recognize that some of the strategies that we already use for developing professionalism, which have worked well for us over the years, are still going to be practical because there is an overlap between professionalism and professional identity. And then lastly, I think that we need to think about how we evaluate the progression of our students' professional identity formation. How will we know when they've gotten there? It might be useful for teachers to share their own process of developing their professional identity and how they became uh, aware that they felt like a pharmacist. This might help students understand the importance and the relevance of self-reflection, which in some cases, as we all know, they don't care to do very much. Well, Tim, thank you so much for being my co-host today and, and helping me put together this episode. And, and likewise, a big thank you to our guests, Heather Petrelli and Terry O'Sullivan, for their advice and how we can intentionally introduce and teach these important concepts to our students and how our faculty and preceptors can serve as mentors and guides during the professional identity journey. Well, I hope our listeners learned a lot and we'll put some of our tips and recommendations into action. I know I will. Thanks for listening to Pharmacy Forward, a podcast about transforming knowledge into action. If you like this podcast, please subscribe using your favorite podcast app and tell all of your pharmacy friends and colleagues. Be sure to rate us and send us your feedback. We'd love to hear from you. Pharmacy Forward is produced by the Division of Pharmacy Professional Development at the University of Mississippi School of Pharmacy. For more information about our professional development programs, visit pharmacycpd.org. That's pharmacycpd.org. Thanks for listening.